everybody to another episode of the Risk Cheese Radio podcast. This is episode 21. I'm your host, Brodinky. We have a little twist tonight. Schmidt is off. He's away on business. In his place, I have not one, but two co-hosts. I'm very excited to introduce. Firstly, a regular on the Friday Night Free-For-All, we have Nate, a.k.a. Faux Dinky. Nate, welcome to Risk Cheese Radio. Hey, thanks for you've survived 21 episodes. This is uh, this is impressive. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm blown away. No, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Next up, we have from the Spirit of Time podcast on the, on the West Coast. We have Greg, aka Time and Tequila. Greg, it was a pleasure being on Spirit of Time. I'm stoked to be able to return the favor to you this evening. Oh man, this is fun. I you know I'm the only non dinky on the uh on the on the pod tonight i think i think the the invitation was actually meant for like cole pennington or somebody could have been somebody you know but you know his loss is my gain or or what have you so it's it's fun to be here with you guys what's up so before we dive into main topic this is uh very uncommon for this show we normally don't do this but since i'm outnumbered and this is also probably going to be pertinent to our theme we're going to do what i'm going to call a wrist check grip check because Tonight's a little different. You might have a stiff drink. You might have a tasty smoke or both. Nate, why don't you kick us off tonight? What do you got? All right. All right. So on the wrist check, uh, I am wearing one of my absolute favorite watches. Uh, it's not one of the most popular in the world, but uh, I absolutely love it. I'm wearing the Omega Constellation uh, coaxial, uh, and it's not the new ceramic. It's the one from like 2015 or 2016 with the uh, the steel bezel and the Romans on it. Okay. Uh, I love it. I, it was my first over a thousand dollar watch to ever own and uh, screw the haters. If you don't like it, I think it's a fabulous watch. Um, <laughs> grip check, like what's in the hand. Um, I am, I am uh, drinking a, I don't even know how many fingers pour of, uh, <laughs> I don't have that many fingers, man. Um, of Corner Creek tenure, uh, which is one of my favorite bourbons. Um, living living here where I do, we actually have we're we're blessed to have a good selection of, of bourbons at a reasonable price. This one's a really good one. Uh, and I'm smoking a, a La Gloria Cubana Medio Tiempo, which is a newer cigar to the market. Uh, we'll get into we'll probably go into the nerdville part of that later on, but it's a it's a stout cigar for a good night. What's the Vitolo on that? I'm smoking the Toro. Okay. It's a, it's a six by, uh, this one is a six by 50 Toro. For those who don't know, the Vitolo is sort of the shape of your cigar. Yeah, right? Vitola, Vitola is just a fancy way for you saying, hey, how big's your cigar? <laughs> All right, Greg, you're up next. What do you got? I love it. Connie crew. Uh, let's see on the wrist. Uh, I feel like bro's been sort of in a vintage mode lately. Maybe if I'm reading them right. Sure. Have. So um, I threw on my Omega uh, Seamaster Cosmic 2000. Oh, it's nice. um, Omega gang. I have not, uh, I have not pulled out the extracts on this, but I think it's a 72, 73, give or take. So this is like the non-integrated bracelet version, but the, uh, the cool like step it's got, it's got like sort of the, the elevated rehaut. Um, Very cool. which I really like. And, uh, it took me a while to source this one out, but I'm, I'm super stoked to have it. It's, it's one of my favorites and, uh, figured it was, it was maybe pertinent to what bro's been into lately Definitely. in the glass. I've got a G four. Maybe we'll go into this later. G four Blanco, uh, super, super solid, awesome, well-made, um, tasty, affordable, findable. 
and uh, we're sipping Blanco tonight tequila and we'll get into just like Nate hit up. Well, I think we'll get into some, some particulars later, but it's a, it's a great one. Everybody should find it if they're interested. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. I'll take us home here uh, on the wrist. I actually have a new addition. Uh, it's the Yema rally graph. Ooh. Now this is a very interesting watch because a, I usually trash the Daytona and this is also a Panda Chrono, but to me, something like this has a ton more personality than you just, your standard three register chrono, right? First of all, it's a, a bi-compacts. It has two registers. They're, I don't know what you'd call them, rhomboid. They're sort of a- They're some of the best looking subdials on a watch <laughs> dial. I Hands love down. them. Love them. They're sort of like distorted squares almost a little bit, but they have a checkered flag on the uh, dial. There's a six o'clock date, a touch of script. I like all that stuff. There's a, even a, a touch of orange on the chrono hand, which is really nice. Now, this watch gets smart because it's a Mecha Quartz Chrono, but it doesn't have a running seconds hand. So you would never know this watch was a Quartz watch unless you just left it for a long time, came back, and it's still running. I thought that was pretty brilliant. The subdials measure 24-hour time, so one's always going, and then the other one is your uh, – it's a measure of your Chrono time. It's 60 minutes. But overall, I really like it. Great size. Really nice aesthetic. I got it on a leather NATO, which I guess is the closest thing to uh, a bund as you can get. But to me, that that says, you know, racing crime. Without going full <laughs> Brad Pitt. Exactly, you know, exactly. Yemma's making, France. Yemma's got some, got some great designs right now. They've got a, one of my favorites is their Space Force watch. That they're, they, it's, a, it's the uh, Flygraph French Air and Space Force watch. There's, they call it UTC Blue. If you get a chance to look it up, that design is crazy cool. I, I love that watch. And it is a, it's a heritage French brand. It's not some out of nowhere thing. Um, not a Kickstarter that, people. Right. One that I really like, they have a diver. It's a vintage inspired diver and it has a scales bracelet. I don't even know how you describe it. It's like, it has multiple links like a Jubilee, but it looks like almost like fish scales. And it looks it, like alligator skin. Yeah. yeah. It, it looks so comfortable. And I really like the retro look of that diver. They, they really do have some nice stuff. They're worth a look if, if you've never gone down that rabbit hole. They do. I, I remember they came out with that Superman bronze maybe like a year and a half ago. And if there was a green dial, it would have been a strong contender. I, I had picked up the Oris Big Crown at that point and uh, love the Superman and bronze, but I just needed a green dial for whatever reason. But that, they do some really cool stuff. In my glass here, this is a, a drink that I believe is per pertinent to both my guests tonight. It is a Paloma, which is nice. a mix of tequila and usually a grapefruit soda. Now, this is pertinent to both because not only do I have time in tequila, but Paloma also happens to be Nate's Bond girl du jour. Oh, would wear her like a hat. <laughs> oh, my God. You've outdone yourself, bro. This is this is this is catered and and paired beautifully. I like. To I would. Thought I, I've never been so jealous of a soda bottle in my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, I actually I was originally put onto these by a Mexican gentleman I used to work with named Arturo, and at company parties he would bring this ungodly sized bottle of tequila and just many two liter bottles of squirt soda, yep. and he would just make them and just start handing them out, and I was like, this is great. And so whenever the weather warms up, it was an unseasonably warm day today in New York. I was like, let me do, you know, let me do that. I usually pour scotch or something. I was like, no, nah, let me go refreshing. Why not? It's like it's shameful lemonade. <laughs> really yeah. Is. Yeah. Anytime anybody's like, yo, what, what should I make? Like, if, especially if they need to batch it up, like a big party or something. I'm like, just make Palomas. 
You'll never go wrong. It's easy to make. Yeah. People love it. Crowd the old pleasing. school sort of like, like you said, sort of just like, you know, uh, like easy way to go is just, you know, squirt or whatever grapefruit soda you can find. You could you could really bounce it up if you want and, and, and kind of make it a craft cocktail with like fresh grapefruit and just soda water. But anyway, either way you go, it's it's literally always a home run. Now, if you weren't tipped off yet by the, the grip check, as I'll call it, this episode <laughs> has a bit of a twist to it. I invited these two gents on not only for their love of horology, but because each one sort of brings a different wrinkle into the fold. If you've kept up with recent episodes of Rich Cheese Radio or you're a fan of Spirit of Time, you've probably encountered the word Bon Vivant or term Bon Vivant, I should say, and their relation to watches. As I explained on a previous episode, it generally means someone who has fine tastes in relation to whatever it might be. As you may know, my profession has exposed me to plenty of great food, so probably some of the best in the world. Now, I'm happy to be here tonight with two gentlemen that will parallel this in other fine areas, which if you haven't put it together yet, we have representing tobacco and fine spirits, as well as our love of this hobby we share. So without ado, I'll let both my guests introduce themselves a little bit here. Greg, why don't you start us off? So... Greg, Time and Tequila is uh, the Instagram handle. I think, uh, gosh, how long has it been now? Maybe like uh, five or six years ago, started to really dive into the whole, you know, community and world on social. And um, I had in my mind two things that I really loved and appreciated. The watches, of course, which is, a, you know, which we, we love and everybody here listening is obviously a part in some way of this kind of big connected watch fam. And then there was sort of the tequila, you know, it, it, when it started, it was all tequila, but since then it's sort of branched out into agave spirits and spirits in general, but, uh, you know, agave spirits, tequila kind of community as well, which there's a, a pretty good community for as well. You know, there's the bourbon community, the wine community, the beer people, and, and of course, cigars and every, everything. Right. So I think we'll get into what that means and how that happens. But so I, I, in my mind, I brought these two things together with my account, wanted to, to interact with, with both communities. Um, but it really started with watches, to be honest, because that watch community was like super obvious. Like it, it, the first time I went to a, a get together and everybody was snapping photos of their wrist and tagging people. And I was like, whoa, 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 what, 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 what do <laughs> what we do? I, I've this? Got, who, who are these? I don't I don't have anything. I don't know. Hashtags. I don't know how to I don't know any of these people. Um, I had a it's personal a account. Yeah, it's a yeah. thing. Right. So I'm like, oh, I'm I'm going to be a part of this, too. So. I remember my, my first post specifically, my, my first couple were on my personal account. And I was like, wait, this seems weird. And I, my mom and my, my, my friend and my coworker, they don't give a shit about any of this stuff. Right. So I like, <laughs> need to make something that's a little more, you know, uh, tailored to this. So, you know, that's where the, the account came from, which is probably, you know, a, a familiar story to a lot of people. And, and so, yeah, I was just kind of ran with it and been learning a ton and just interact, love and interacting with people. And, uh, I've, you know, it's been something I've, it's, it's pushed me in ways to be creative and in ways that I don't think I normally am. So it gives me sort of a creative outlet. And, uh, and I think at the beginning, maybe, we, I don't know if we, we want to get into it or not, but at the beginning, I thought maybe I would be a little bit of a evangelist, you know, a, a, <laughs> in tequila and not watches so much. I knew I had a lot to learn about watches, but I feel like I had a lot to share about tequila and agave spirits and things. And, and, um, and it's been cool in that way, but, uh, you know, I've gotten so much more out of it than I've ever put into it, you know, connecting with you guys here right now. And, and just, uh, you know, continue to sort of be in touch with what's going on, keep your, your finger on the pulse. But anyway, my page is all, you know, about just, you know, spirits and, and tequila and, and, and mezcal and other things and, and, uh, and, and kind of connecting with the watch fam. And, and it's fun to be here. It, it grew into 
you know, as bro mentioned, we have, we have a podcast now as well called spirit of time. And, and it's all about sort of pairing, you know, watches with, uh, with, with spirits and, and food and drink and, and, uh, just kind of having fun exploring what that looks like. So it's fun, man. It's, it's a, it's a blast and, and it's brought me here, you know, with you guys tonight. So at the end of the day, that's about all, all you can ask for. Yeah. And it's great to see kind of what you're doing with it. You know, I, I, I actually followed you before I was even familiar personally with you, but you know, it's a lot of fun to see what you guys do on the weekly and you're always concocting something or between you and Matt. So it's a lot of fun. It's cool. It's uh, you know, I think, um, you know, early on, I didn't know what it was going to be. And which I think a lot of us probably do, bro, you, bro, you could probably say the same, you know, and same. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you just, it just kind of goes and in, in, makes its own, you know, becomes its own thing. And uh, you know, it's, it's been cool to check it out. And um, you know, at the same time, I, I think it's uh, it's been, just interesting to see where it takes you. And, um, you know, I, I appreciated the shout out on the, on, I think it was your last episode. Maybe it was the one before that, but just kind of saying, Hey, listen, I, I appreciate when people are doing watches and other things, which is why I think Nate and I are here tonight. But, uh, yeah. you know, for, sometimes it feels like, Oh man, you're just kind of this like, you know, oddball account that doesn't just do wrist shots every day. Right. And you're like, <laughs> Oh, am I weird? Or like, is this, you know, but it brings you back to like what you like doing. And if you like doing it, then it's worth doing. Absolutely. Breaking news. It's really weird. <laughs> for civilians uh, right for for, yeah. for non non weirdos for the unwashed masses so Nate, why don't you give us a quick rundown of your relationship with the tobacco industry oh my gosh um so uh i grew up ex- extremely conservative uh i had never smoked or drank anything uh, i was not one of those guys that snuck off in high school to go get hammered with my buddies. I, my number one goal was to leave the farm. And, and that involves, that involved, uh, literally I'm the first person in my family since we landed in 1740 to not work on a farm. And, um, so I didn't focus on any of that. Well, I, I literally studied myself into the hospital, uh, in college and a buddy of mine took me out one night and, had this cigar and he lit it and stuck it in my mouth and said you're gonna smoke this and you're gonna enjoy this because you need to chill the hell out and um half of me thought i was going to hell and the other half won um (laughs) it was uh yeah I, i i became extremely passionate very quickly about cigars i'm the type person that uh if i get into something then i just absolutely go nuts over it um i don't like not knowing about what i'm doing so um, I went crazy about it. You, know, you fast forward and now, you know, I've, I've been participating in the cigar world since 2000, uh, but I've been uh, actively a professional in the cigar industry for about 15 years. Uh, and I've, I've worked in several different capacities in that industry from very small, literal mom and pops, uh, all the way up to huge international conglomerates and, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time in the Caribbean and Central America. I've blended, I've branded, I've done a little bit of everything in it because I really freaking love this industry. That's great. Um, it's it's part of my life because much like, you know, we've talked we talk a lot about this on Friday nights, uh, bro. Where, you know, the, the whole watch thing brings some people together that otherwise would not necessarily have a circle. Sure. Uh, and cigars literally do that. And they, they taught me about that for, you know, when I was a kid, I would go to the barbershop with my grandfather and he would go every Friday, even if he didn't need a haircut. And I would sit around and I would watch all these old men smoking cigarettes and telling lies and drinking beer, not even getting haircuts. 
and uh, fast forward. And now uh, that's the, the modern day cigar lounge. That's the modern day cigar shop. Now, for full disclosure, I have nothing to do. And, and for those of you who are listening that, that may not understand that there are delineations, I have nothing to do with cigarettes. I have nothing to do with, with anything that you're going to purchase necessarily in like a gas station or a glass shop or anything of that nature. That's not what I do. I do completely hand-rolled premium cigars. Uh, and that's what I've always done. Uh, but it, it's always been just a passion of mine. And when I started this, you know, when I started Fodinky, it was literally as a joke. Uh, because, <laughs> um, and that's with three E's because there's some Italian woman that spells it properly that really wants to hang on to that account. So Trisha de la Pizza, have fun. Um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, one of those things where I, I did that simply because my personal Instagram, as it were, uh, was that and work. And much like, uh, much like Greg was saying, people on my personal side, my family wouldn't understand why I'm taking a picture of a wrist or why I'm taking a picture of a bottle of cologne or whatever yep. alongside a tutor, who cares? Um, but, but you weirdos get it. So um, I, I was, I was glad to create that and kind of create a second ecosystem for other things that I'm, that I'm passionate about. Very cool. All right. So now that everybody kind of has an idea of who we all are by now, um, I think we can all agree that sort of the appreciation of fine things is somewhat contagious, right? How many people like cigars that also like whiskey or vice versa? How many people are into watches that will go to great lengths for a superb cup of coffee? I mean, I've seen some people do painstaking stuff. And at the end, they're, they're so proud of that, that cup. And they, you know, they take their, their shot with the watch and it's, it's their thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we see it with a lot of things. We see it with wine, uh, art cars like the the list appears to be endless at times with regard to i guess people's parallel interests alongside watches my question to you both i guess first is uh was it watches that came first how did you make a jump from let's say one thing to the next whether it was your whether it was watches or cigars or spirits what it might be so nate why don't you kick us off on this well cigars you know like i said that started back in 2000 I got married in uh, 2001, my, my then girlfriend and I, who became my wife, who started dating in 98. I had always worn a, a, a Casio F91. All right. That was my watch. It was the same watch I had when I was nine. And I, that's just the watch that I was wearing all through college. It got literally busted to hell. And it had a Velcro strap on it that reeked so badly of body odor that my <laughs> wife finally made me throw it away. Um, but she replaced it with this uh, two-tone quartz Seiko that she bought for me for our uh, engagement. She bought it. It was, it was her wedding present to me. And it's funny looking back on it because it's so extremely 90s. It's got those links that just scream out 1990s. I still have it. It still runs like a tank. Um, but it's, it was one of those uh, things that I, I wore it and you know I appreciated it. But then I made a mistake. I made a mistake years later where I was in, you know, it's a smaller watch and I was in a department store and we happened to walk by the case of watches. And I looked at my wife, I had a little money in the pocket and I said, I think I'm going to buy a new watch. Ruh -roh. 
And, and she goes, well, why do you need one? I said, well, I really don't, but those just look nice. And it's a little bigger and I don't want to beat this one up because you got it for me for my, for our wedding and it's memories and blah, blah, blah. Really. I just wanted a watch and I sold it. You know, I, I sold getting a new watch to her. Uh, and I bought a, this like 42, which I still have this one. This like 42 or 43 millimeters citizen echo drive. Which for me, $300 on a watch at a department store was like the most ridiculous expenditure I've ever experienced, but I liked it and it made me feel good. And I wore it to every business encounter. I wore it all the time. And then, like I told you about cigars, if I get into something, I start studying about it. I start reading into it. I start looking into it. And then I discovered there are other watches out there and they are even nicer. And you probably <laughs> want to learn about these watches, dummy. And and then it was, you know, I was drinking from the fire hose. You know, it was it was just just like that that scene in uh, with Weird Al where he makes the kid drink from the fire hose. Um, <laughs> and and next thing you know, um, next thing you know, I'm I'm making all the mistakes that a beginning watch collector would ever make. Quantity, quantity, quantity. Um, you know, you listen to everybody's opinions and you buy accordingly. Um, you know, but yeah, I think this is a stage we all go through, but, but it, it definitely was obviously cigars first. And then watches came along, uh, along through there. whiskey was, you know, it became something that was, um, you know, whiskey became a part because that in my line of work, I'm one of these fortunate guys we're drinking as part of work. Yep. And, um, so if you're going to be drinking, you're going to be learning about it. So once again, my Enneagram five personality starts studying every freaking thing. Um, so it, it really kind of started there and it, it I, I think everybody, uh, whether whatever you want to be a, a, a passionate participant of, I hate the word connoisseur because it's so pretentious. Yeah. Um, but I think anybody, when you get into something, you go through those uh, levels of hell to, to get to a place of peace in that. And, and it took me a long time to get there, too. I hope that answered your question. Uh, but but it's uh, it, it's it was a long a long process where those things you talked about definitely all started to coincide. And when you get in, get in with people that enjoy cigars and then they may enjoy watches. And next thing you know, you're drinking different kinds of bourbons or whatever you like scotches. Um, those are my two poisons per se. Um, it just becomes one of those things where it's guilt by association. And next thing you know, you're a complete total broke degenerate, but you're completely happy about it. Very good. Very good. I like that explanation a lot. Uh, Greg, so what about you? Was it watches or booze that came first? And how did you make the transition? It was probably um, it was probably booze first, although if I had to be really honest, I think there was definitely watches throughout. Like I can't I can't sit back and say like when I was eight, I had a, an Iron Man and that yeah. like set off this lifelong journey, you know, but I did. I had an Iron Man. Right. Um, but I, for a long time, I just had a lot of like fashion watches. I would get a, a watch from like, you know, my parents for Christmas or whatever. A lot of like, you know, um, you know, Scoggins and things like that, whatever. And, and and at some point for like high school graduation, I got a Seiko Kinetic. Again, like Nate said, very 90s. It was it's awesome. I still have it too. I need, it needs a new capacitor. Um, but it's like a titanium and like two tone and it just screams like late nineties. Um, but, uh, it, it had a Sapphire case back and although it's kinetic, right. It has a rotor. So yeah. like, I'm like, Whoa, what the, this is cool as hell. Right. Like this, not only is our watch is cool, but like, there's like things I can see and moving parts and started sort of really, you know, setting the stage, I guess, for, for kind of diving deeper into it. 
So um, had a couple of Seiko Connects for a while, still kind of messing around with the, with the fashion watches. And then like a lot of us do for, you know, just really unnecessary reasons, kind of planted a flag that said, when I hit XYZ, you know, professional, you know, uh, level, I'm going to reward myself. Like that's going to be, I made it right. I'm going to buy something. And so I didn't do like the typical, I shouldn't say typical. I didn't do like sort of the, the, the very familiar story of like, I got an S you know, an SKX and then started messing with this and, you know, started waking my way up. Like I just waited, 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 waited. And that just dove right in. Like that's when I got my, my, um, 16, 7, 10, my GMT master two. And, um, and that was supposed to just be like the watch that was supposed yep. to be the <laughs> one that was it. God, right. Man. Right. You know, it's just like, that was like the thing that was the, no more, nothing else was necessary. I saw, I justify it to myself. And, um, so I dove right into the deep end in, in, in that way. And, uh, we had just, my daughter was born just around that time. And some friends of ours that lived close by stopped in and, uh, and he was way into the watch fam at this point, you know, particularly in, in the, in the LA scene, the LA watch gang and, and some people that are still sort of active. And, and he, he saw me cause he, we, we interacted, you know, a bunch of times before that, but he, he saw that I had that on the wrist at that point. And he's like, what, what, what'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you, what's on your wrist? Where'd you get that? And uh, I was like, oh, oh yeah, somebody noticed it, right? Like, oh shit. And um, he's like, you need to come to one of the get togethers. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what any of this means, but yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, take me, take me to this secret club, this, you know, I'm ready to go to fight club. And um, so we went to the get together and that's when I started to realize how big the community was. I, I just, I just bought the watch. I studied it. The funny story about that is I thought I was, you know, zigging when everybody else zagged. I thought, you know, I'm not getting a sub. I got a GMT master. That's very different. <laughs> very different. And, um, you know, really quickly learned that I didn't really make that crazy of a decision, but at the same time, like, you know, just sort of, they jumped me into the whole community at that point. I was like pretty getting really, really starting my journey into tequila. I think, um, we were at the time we were living in downtown LA and there was a, there's a really famous bar. Um, there's one in Texas too, in Austin, I think. So some people might know it's called Las Perlas a crazy good back bar. And, um, they only serve Mexican spirits and beer. So there's no gin, there's no vodka. I mean, you go in there, you're either drinking tequila or mezcal, or you're getting a Pacifico and you're going to deal with it. And you're going to be happy about it. And um, so I started to really get like really geeking out on that in the same way that, that Nate was describing. I know the same way that bro, you, you kind of geek out over food. Yeah. And then um, we went down to Guadalajara and to tequila not too long after that. And, um, and we started visiting distilleries and, and it just really hit home. I'm like, wow, this is, this is cool as hell. And um, so these two things were sort of like, coexisting for me and like developing and they felt disparate in some ways. And I felt like I was the, I was just like that person that was just, I had these interests that were very different, but I was bringing them together to me. Like it was just cool and fun. And I just wanted to find as many people that were enjoying it as I was. And so, you know, that was sort of the, 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 the sort of, you know, launch point to, to learning about it more, sharing about it more, being involved in the community. And for a long time, I thought it was just like, just me doing my thing. And, uh, there's this, uh, a gentleman in, in Philadelphia. Um, he's a restaurateur and a, and a tequila brand owner. His name is um, David Soro and his, uh, his restaurant is called tequilas. It's on uh, locust, I think. Yeah. Right in center city. And, um, been a big fan of his for a long time. And I went in, um, and, uh, and I, we were having dinner and we were just talking with him and he had a date just on and, and we were just talking cool. he said, Greg. Oh, super cool. Right. It was like unexpected. And he was like, Greg, he's like, I love what you do. And, um, you know, it, they're, they're connected. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just, I just dig these two things. Like, I don't know. I just do what I do. I just think it's fun. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you know, there's a craftsmanship, there's an artisanship to, to it. There's, there's, there's science, there's engineering, but it's also kind of like hand of the maker. 
And um, I was like, dang, okay. Like you really hit me with something there. Like, I guess it was in some ways it was more married than I ever thought it was. And I think it leads back to what you said about like, how did one begets sort of the other, right? Like you, you, you have these sort of interests that are sort of, you know, um, the finer things or whatever. And, and, and somehow they, they kind of come together. And uh, the last thing I'll say before I like get back to what you want to talk about is like, I remember not even that much long ago, there was a Facebook group of like Mezcal people. And I remember one, one person said, made a post. They were like, what's up with these like watch and, and spirits accounts? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> and on the one hand, I was like, yeah, you're kind of right. And then on the other hand, I was like, dude, it's no different than anything, right? You like watches and cars, you like cars and food. You like, I mean, there's, you just, because you're one person, right. with one interest doesn't mean you're just into only one thing. Like you have yeah. lots of interests and you can, you can just bring them together. And, and the cool thing about watches is like, you're wearing them when you do almost all of these things. Right. So like they kind of naturally end up together. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I kind of, I kind of had a similar th deal myself. I, I was into the fashion watches. I just wanted things to look big and blingy because I was in college and I wanted to think that I was somebody, right? So I was into drinking, but I didn't know what I was drinking was good or not. I had watches, but I didn't know that they were mostly hot garbage. But I felt like after I became a professional and I wanted to sort of reflect a bit of that myself was when I started delving into the finer points of watches. And also from there, I jumped to well, I'm a man, I'm in my 30s, maybe I'll try cigars and I'll see what I like. Maybe I'll try different whiskeys and things that I can try them straight and they don't taste like rubbing alcohol anymore. You know, it's, I'm not drinking the bottom of the well in college. And it's just funny how it sort of unfolds and you try another thing, you try another thing and you develop that sort of palate. I don't want to come off too pretentious, but you develop sort of that palate and you figure out what you like and you're like, hey, I get it. And it just kind of snowballs from there. And so I, I had a very similar experience. So I could definitely appreciate that. I think there's um, something, I think there's something though to it as well. I joke, I joke with my friends about, you know, your appreciation of the finer things. It directly coincides with the, the amount at which you don't give a damn. <laughs> I agree um, with that. And, and I, I think one of the, like take cigars, for example, like there was a time when I first got into cigars that, I only smoked cigars with my buddies while we were smoking cigars. And then over time, you know, you go through life and you have life experiences and, you know, some stuff beats you down or at least you learn from it. And after a while, like all you want to do at the end of the day is go sit in a quiet space and smoke a cigar and enjoy it. And I think you reach a different level when you reach that point where that's what you do when no one is watching. And, and I think that just comes with time and maturity. I think that's a great point. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I mean, like, you know, when you sit or sit around by yourself and you're just like, you know, catching up on new watch releases or like, you know, diving deep into a form or a thread and, or like you said, you just, you know, at the end of a hard day, you just want to pour something nice or light something up. Like you just appreciate it. Like, and at the end of the day, like you can, you, you, you start drinking it, smoking it, experiencing it, whatever. And it's not like, Oh, like I, I need somebody to know that I'm doing this. It's just like, no, no, no. Like I can appreciate where it came from what went into it, what, what makes it right versus like what maybe is not being done right out there and, and like, and, and why it speaks to you personally. So I was, I was really, that was a really good way to put it. It's the point at which you know that what you're into is for you and not for other people. And I think that's a great segue because I wanted to touch on stigmas that sort of permeate hobbies as a collective overall, right? Especially ones that can get expensive. And for example, I think 
whether it be hobbies, areas, areas of interest, what have you, I think a lot of people automatically assume monetary value equals quality and that they automatically go hand in hand or that a well-known brand is automatically better than maybe some of the lesser knowns or the up and comings or the independents. And I'll throw you an example off the bat from my own background is people always ask me, oh, what, what's a good steak? And I'm like, well, a good steak can be any cut as long as it's seasoned well, it's cooked right, and the quality of beef is good, right? Now, here's a prime example of that is skirt and hanger steak used to be known as the butcher's cuts because nobody wanted them. They were stringy, a little fibrous. It was just a little off-putting. So the butcher used to keep it for themselves. Now, they're every bit as expensive as every other steak. And if you've ever had one... Yeah, they're phenomenal. And, and to be honest, I mean, I would rather have a really good skirt over a filet any day of the week just because I'm a big fan of fat content and, you know, the amount of char you can throw on something, which a skirt is phenomenal for. But um, with regard to that, what kind of, I guess, stigmas have you seen across tequila, across cigars, whether it be having to do with price or quality, what have you? Um, Greg, you have anything like that? Yeah, you know, I think um, I actually think booze suffers a lot from from sort of smoke and mirrors, I think worse than watches, you know, and, and we've been really, I think a lot of people rightfully so have been sort of haranguing on watch on, on the watch hobby lately. Cause it's, it's changing, right. You guys have been talking about it a ton on wrist cheese. We all talk about it in our groups and everything yeah. like it, it's deserved, but, but booze booze is really like, it's, it, it's, it's smoke and mirrors over there. Like you don't know where stuff comes from. You know, you can look at the bourbon community and where they source, you know, stuff from versus where they bottle it. Same thing happens in, in whiskey or excuse me, in, in tequila, um, and mezcal is even going that way. And, you know, even though it's like much more heritage and I think mezcal is really true, it's still happening there too. So like, you know, the celebrity, you know, influence on, on spirits brands is through the roof. You don't know where stuff comes from, quite frankly. Um, and it's just a bunch of branding and marketing. I mean, we can, you know, we can, you know, right. You know, we can, we can sort of, you know, give a hard time to the watch industry for, for good reason, but you know, you kind of sort of know where stuff is coming from. Don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of prime examples where you're like, Ooh, cut your, cut your hand in the cookie jar on that one. Yeah. Guys. Like, <laughs> no, that's not right. That's not right. But, um, it happens a lot in booze and, and unless you're like really deep into it, you'll never know. You're not supposed to, because they're just, you, you know, they're just big multi, you know, internationals and everybody's just trying to sell a story and, and, yep. and, so it's really hard. You know, I think we did an episode a couple of weeks, uh, a couple months ago with, um, with a gentleman out here. He's a, a, a booze retailer, but also that was like a good sort of, one. I like that, that one you, a lot. I'm glad you did. It was cool because so David was just like, yo, here's the deal. Like, I'm going to shoot you straight. Like, this is how it happens. You know, Pappy says, you know, this is, this is the allocation on, on, on what we can give you guys right now. Um, but we're going to make you purchase X, Y, Z amount of inventory to support, you know, getting your, your, your allocation. So what they do is they just have to just mark up the price to, to recoup all that shitty inventory that they're going to have to sell of booze that people, yeah, nobody that wants. Nobody's buying. Nobody wants it, right? Nobody's buying it. And so, um, you know, it's different than the AD, you know, it's the AD and the gray market are different than that. Like, the, you know, the only place to go get, you know, certain bottles, unless you're going on sort of whatever you, secondary market you call, you're going to a store. And so retail ends up having to sort of navigate this real murky thing. And, and then as us as consumers, we're just like, yo, what is up with this? Like, this seems wrong. This seems weird. But but more to your more to your question, you know, the the bourbonization and Nate, I want to hear what you have to say about this. The bourbonization of spirits in general, I mean, hype culture is real. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's happening yeah. on watches and sneakers and, and bourbon, you know. And, but it's happening across all spirits now, and everybody's like, 
oh, this is the big thing, right? Like you have to have Pappy, you have to have Weller now. Like these were things that were very obtainable before. And all of a sudden, just because, you know, a few people are really into it and it's, it's blowing up, it's impossible to get a hold of. And it wasn't like that not that long ago. And we see the parallels across all the things that we're interested in. So I think Boo suffers from it a lot because it's, there's, it's a lot more opaque um, which is weird to say about the Swiss watch industry, <laughs> that they're more transparent, but I feel like it's, I, you know, I think, I think booze is, is more opaque. And so, you know, there's just price gouging and kind of smoke and mirrors everywhere with, 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 with spirits that I see. One thing I did love about that episode was that he kind of admitted that when he meets people who are just like dying to try a bottle that they'll never get their hands on, he'll be like, listen, I, I can help you out. And I was like, this guy, he gets it, man. That's so cool. He's mm-hmm. kind of like a spirits gorilla, man. Like yeah. he's just out there, like doing the good work, and um, <laughs> he's, he's cool. He's a good guy. I mean, uh, I don't know how many of them are out there, but that's yeah. why I think made that an interesting conversation. For sure, for sure, Nate. I'm sure you got a bunch of good ones on oh both ends, spirits and tobacco. I mean, what do you got for us? Yeah, Greg. To your point, when did when did Weller become the tutor of the of the bourbon industry? Um, but the so there's a lot. Uh, the, the most important one, this and this is one that's serious because this is my livelihood and, and I want everyone to understand if you're not familiar with cigars, is their use case. Um, when I'm smoking a cigar, walking down, we have this really cool old downtown that was built before the Civil War near where I live. And if I'm smoking a cigar, half the people there will be like, man, that smells great. And the other half will look at me like I literally lit a handful of Marlboro Reds up. <laughs> And, and I'm literally throwing tumors at their end. <laughs> um, and, and so the use, this is important. Cigars and cigarettes have about as much in common as a bottle of Weller and a can of Natty Light. Uh, they, they literally are not the same thing. We don't inhale them. We don't get massive buzzes off of them. It's not a jonesing thing. It's a flavor thing. We smoke cigars because we enjoy the flavor. Um, but, you know, you look at I look at a lot of the the stigmas around around cigars that, that maybe people that are interested in cigars but have never gotten into it. Let me help you miss a few landmines here. Bigger is not better. In fact, in many cases, the bigger the cigar, the worse the experience. Uh, if you want really good flavor, you're looking for Corona, Robusto, Toro. That's what you really want. The, 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 the image, the cartoon image of the guy smoking the 10-inch long cigar is exactly that. It's meant for Warner Brothers. It's a cartoon thing. It's not real. <laughs> because I know how these cigars are made. I've been intimately associated with cigar manufacturing for much of my adult life. And those cigars, if you, if you, without going into blend cards and details of manufacturing, a big freaking cigar is just not going to perform or do what the blenders wanted those cigars to do. As cool as you think you look smoking <laughs> that cigar, you're missing out if you don't go and smoke a Petite Corona or a, or a Lonsdale or a Panatella, you know, any kind of Panatella like that. Um, that's, that's my, you know, now granted, that's opinion, but I think it's right. No one's ever held an opinion that they knew to be wrong. Um, <laughs> the, um, you know, the other stigma goes to one thing you mentioned, bro, a minute ago about price point. Um, you do not have to spend an exorbitant amount of money to get a fabulously made cigar. Well, what you have the other night? Uh, yeah, exactly. What did I have? I won't name the brand, but I had a cigar that, that I smoked that retails at $500. And, and yeah, that's $500 per cigar. Okay. For an hour of your life. Basically, you got a mid-level Vegas hooker. 
Um, you know, that's that's but, but, but that's the retail <laughs> price point on that cigar. Uh, it was quality. Absolutely. It was quality. It was it was. Uh, the th but when I talk about quality in cigars, we're looking at things like aging processes and we're looking at, um, you know, the uh, the manufacturing side. I'm not talking about what's what does it taste like? Because, Greg, I, I if I drink tequila, I get naked. So th so that's <laughs> I, I can't I can't. I can't get into tequila like you do. But when you're talking about the manufacturing of a cigar, there are some universal truths that every manufacturer, and we're equally opaque over here in our industry, um, that they don't go into. If your tobacco is grown properly, uh, cured well, fermented well, aged well, rolled properly, then you're gonna. there are things that you will not get in a quality cigar, things like notes of ammonia, which are a natural byproduct of aging tobacco. Uh, if you don't get those things and it burns relatively straight, you've got a quality cigar. At that point, you're then simply looking for flavor. What flavor notes do you enjoy? And, and there are tons of quality cigars out there that start at, you know, you could get a great quality cigar for $4, you know, and, and it's equally as enjoyable to the cigar enthusiast as someone that is smoking that $500 cigar, which once again, I'm not throwing shade on that cigar because it was quality. When I smoked it, everything about it said great quality. Um, but it's, but price is not, it's just like in watches. It's just like in whiskeys and, and other spirits. The price tag has a lot more to do uh, with that product than just, is it up to a certain standard? Because at the end of the day, a Lamborghini and a Toyota Corolla are going to get you to the same spot. They got four tires and a motor. There's just different costs involved. And uh, so I, there's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Some of it, you know, we're fighting a, a very important uh, battle right now with public perception and the, the federal government in our industry that, you know, literally portions of our, their survival, portions of our industry hang on the the outcomes of these fights. Luckily, my company has been around for a very long time and we're fortunate, but, but I will say that um, the perception part is a big deal about that. Uh, but we, uh, when it comes to those stigmas and misconceptions and all of that, so much of the rest of it is just like watches. It's just like in the spirits industries where your enjoyment is the most important thing. And if I were to walk into a humidor with any one of you at any given point and you look at me and say, what should I smoke? I would basically say yes. You know, go and go and try it all and find, you know, a dozen brands or blends that you love. And thank you for enjoying cigars. Um, if you smoke a cigar, it doesn't make you a baller. You know, it, just like if you're wearing one of bro's old blingy watches or you're trying to find that unobtainable, that bottle of Pappy that no one can ever find. It doesn't change your life in any way. You just have to find that that amount of enjoyment that A, you can sustain in terms of investment and B, that you appreciate for yourself. It's why I was talking about when I when I'm sitting out here in my cave uh, enjoying a cigar, there's not a single person in here asking me what you're smoking and they're not asking for recommendations. They're simply, at, you know, I, I'm enjoying that for myself. Uh, hopefully that that gets to the spirit of because there's so many stigmas. We don't have time. But uh, but those are some of the bigger ones that, that stick out to me. Yeah, it's funny. I would I would even, um, you know, it's, if I look specifically at tequila and then mezcal kind of together, but separately with tequila, I would say like the more you spend, 
the chances of you getting kind of an inferior adulterated product are higher. And so, you know, I think there's this to, I think maybe what you were getting at too, bro, at least in terms of the tequila industry was like, oh, okay, where's, you know, how do I spend the most to get the best? And, mm-hmm. and in tequila, you actually hit this point of like diminishing returns above a certain level, above a certain price point, like everything's really kind of bastardized and sort of um, kind of tailored to be, you know, a profile that's like super not traditional and very like consumer friendly, very Americanized palette to be really frank, right? Like how do I catch the whiskey consumer, you know, that might have a passing interest in tequila. And so at some point you really are overspending for no good reason, especially if you're trying to really understand what tequila is. Um, on the, on the flip side, like you have to hit a certain threshold because the price of like the raw material is, is sort of high. And so like, if you're spending, let's say under $20 for a bottle, you're probably buying some real crap. And like, you might be, you might be like supporting some really like shady practices. So like, there's this, the middle ground of like, like, like medium to high that you should be like looking at and anything too high is probably not really well worth your time or your treasure and anything too low. You're probably just going to end up with that headache that everybody worries about. Um, with mezcal, it's sort of settled into like, there's like a price band and basically anything, you know, above a certain point, 30 or $40 is probably decent. And then it kind of caps out. Like it hasn't, there's no age statements on it. Cause it's not an aged product. So like your most expensive bottles are two or $300. And it is expensive if you're drinking it consistently, but it's never really going to be above that per se, unless you're buying some old stuff. So it's a really funny place to operate. Cause you can't come in and just be like, I'm just going to buy the best, right? Give me, yeah. give me the, give me the paddock, give me the paddock bottle. It, like that's, that's crap. Like, you, you know, you're not really drinking it. You're just kind of make, trying to make a status, you know, status symbol, I guess. That's an interesting point though, about the kind of the, the Goldilocks zone of price, because when, when, you know, in our industry, I would say it's about eight to $12 per cigar and the competition in that window is super tight. You're really not going to find one that's improperly made for the most part, you know, below $5, be careful. Uh, But 99 out of 100 people on the flip side are not going to be able to show you the difference unbanded between a $20 cigar and a $50 cigar. Sure. They're just not they're just not going to be able to. I will add one other stigma, bro, that I thought about. I wrote this down and I forgot about it a minute ago. Let's talk about Cuba. Mm. <laughs> Cuban cigars in 19 in the 1950s were the best cigars in the world. That was 72 years ago. Um and that's another thing when you, I go into, I go into stores and I see customers to this very day, come in and ask the, the guy behind the counter, Hey, where are your Cubans at? They don't have them. Yep. Because Cuban products are still illegal to resell in the United States. And even if you're wanting to get into cigars, it's kind of like that guy that wants to get into watches and he just instantly thinks about a certain brand as that's the one, that's the best, that's what I'm going to get, that's where I'm going to go. And in cigars, they're like, okay, then I've got to go find my Cuban Monte Cristo number two or my Cuban yep. Cohiba Bahique. They have bled their fields dry for 30 years. And every cigar, much like whiskeys, much like wines, are, are a result of the terroir. They, they, they really are a result of the soil underneath them. And if you don't have, if you don't have healthy soil, then you're not going to have a quality product. You're not going to have a good product. And Cuba hasn't had healthy soil in probably 30 to 40 years. Uh, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, Honduras, those are the countries that are making cigars, especially somebody, uh, Greg, you had mentioned the American palate. 
They're the ones that are making cigars for the United States. We smoke 70% of the cigars in the world Wow, here, here in the United States. Cuba is barely, they're barely making enough cigars to supply Spain. 85% of the Cuban cigars that you see on this hemisphere, the Western hemisphere, are fake. They are not, they are not what they are claiming to be. And, and so let me save you all a ton of money. Don't. Now, that's my opinion. You know, have I smoked Cuban cigars? Yeah, absolutely. Do I get much more satisfaction out of, I get tons of satisfaction out of my competitor's cigars made in the Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, Honduras, all day, every day. And instead of paying $50 per cigar, just to show your buddy that you're smoking a Monte Cristo number two with Havana misspelled on the band, <laughs> um, you're going to be able to get a lot more bang for your buck and a lot more enjoyment out of something that's been properly made in one of the countries that we can buy from in the United States. Uh, so think about that also. Cuban cigars, that's, that was, that's one of the things that just it gets under my skin. I had to make sure to add it in there. That's a great one. And that's kind of similar to my experience with people with knives because everybody mm -hmm. always asks me, what's a great knife? And I'm like, well, realistically, once you go above a certain price point where you're getting good steel, are you going to notice a difference between a $300 knife and a $50 knife? Not really, right? Especially if you don't know how to care for it, you don't know how to sharpen or hone it. You're not going to get all the benefits of that edge regardless. So it's a very similar idea when people ask me, well, what's a good knife? And I say, what do you have to spend? How comfortable are you with knives? You know, can you take care of it? It's, it's sort of, I guess, subjective in that area. And it is all subjective. I mean, at the end of the day, I know that somebody listening out there that their favorite cigar is a Bahike 54. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend you. I'm really not. And if you enjoy those, good for you, man. And if you yeah. can afford them and you've got a legitimate place to get them from and you know that they're a thousand percent authentic, then you know what? If that gives you joy, enjoy. I'm not trying to, to piss on your parade. Um, but, I, but I am for the 99% for the of people out there that really shouldn't be buying those products just due to budget. You know, I, I want to be able to kind of elevate people's experiences to the point where it's a little more egalitarian. I think there's a lot more possibilities out there than the little myopic view that we give on all of these industries, whether they be whiskey, spirits, watches, cigars, golf, which I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm big into that. You know, there's a lot more out there. That's a great point. I mean, like, Watches is funny right now, right? Like there's all these gatekeepers and sort of trend, you know, tastemakers and trendsetters. Sure. And it's like, how do you, how would you even advise somebody new to like find their own way? Right. And so like, like we're all to say, you know, describing about, you know, food and, and, and sort of, you know, chef, chef things and, 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 and cigars and spirits, like you got to educate yourself, but it's really hard sometimes when, when sort of the trusted, right. Like, uh, mm -hmm. uh sources, all have an agenda or, or sort of the algorithms are pointing you towards three or four different things that you're supposed to be like lusting over. And it's like, it's really hard to find your footing and it's hard to avoid those landmines that Nate's trying to help people with right now on the sticks. And, um, I guess that's kind of what we're talking about now is like, how do you, how do you, how do you those find your way? Have, half of those guys have an e-store on their website. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, and I think that ties me into the last thing I want to I want to talk about here is I think getting into a new area of interest is very daunting, especially in the age of the internet. And I know for myself, and I think everyone that watch collecting can get very expensive very fast. 
right? Like yeah. I know you start enjoying the G-Shocks and the Seikos and then next thing you know, you smash through another price barrier and you sort of become that comfortably numb at that level with how much you've spent. <laughs> and then it's up to the next one until you hit really that level of discomfort, which I think can happen with pretty much anything we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question to both of you would be, is there a way you could recommend breaking into your given area of interest without either killing your pocket or completely looking like a poser? That's a so, good question. Yeah. It's so hard because like now I feel like I could rattle off a bunch of things that would be like super helpful, but I'm trying to like reverse engineer this a little bit and be like, where was I at the beginning? Right. Right. Like that's tricky. That's a really cool question. Oh man. I mean, there's going to be some, some measure of trial and error to it. Right. Like there just inevitably is like with yes. anything. Yeah. Any, any hobby interest, passion, like you're going to, you're going to stumble a couple times. Like, but how do you, how do you avoid too many of those and the expensive ones? Right. I guess like, I guess my, my, my first reaction is to like, could you identify when you first get started into something? Could you identify the hype products? Like if you just hit the pause button and like you took as much in as you could, could you identify like, okay, this is hype. This is hype. This isn't this. like, if you could do that, you might be able to like drill down below and start to see like what the enthusiast level is sort of supporting. I don't know. No, that's a, I think you're, you're, you're right on point because they're, like I mentioned, when I first got into watches, I made all the mistakes. Yep. Okay. Like w w before I got into watches, my my goal watch, my I, I hate the term Grail watch because there is no such thing. <laughs> because the minute you buy, hey guys, if you just bought your Grail watch today, congratulations! In three months, you're gonna have a new Grail. Um, the um, when I was first getting into it, my idea of a Grail watch was I was gonna buy a Tag Heuer. That was as good as it gets, and that's no shade on Tag, but that was just what I saw based on advertising. That was before YouTube and that was before all of that. That's just what I was going to do. And then when I got into really quote unquote collecting watches, you then see who everybody's doing the reviews on certain pieces. Right now it's the Tissot PRX. Right now everybody's talking about the PRX. Super hype piece. Uh, and there are a number of other hype pieces that, that people will name. And I bought half of them. And because I thought, well, if I have this in my collection, then the echo chamber in the industry is going to tell me that my collection is valid. Yep. Uh, Omega Seamaster, great watches. But that's another that was another one where there's a lot of hype behind it. Anything with a crown on it. You know, there's a lot of hype behind all of that right now. Um, what I found and, you know, for those of you who do know me like, bro, you know, you'll, you will not be shocked. To, to find out that I love being contrarian. Uh, it's my favorite thing. Um, but I found that after a while, you just have to, if you're going to collect things, which accumulating watches is the most first world thing in the world. Okay. It's, <laughs> Ain't it? it's just ridiculous. Uh, if we look at it just from face value, um, at this, you know, men don't wear much jewelry. So a watch is pretty much all we have. And if it, if it uh, commemorates a great occasion, then you're literally celebrating your own occasion and salute to you for that. That's awesome. You know, but you look at, um, I, over time you, you find what you like and you have to be comfortable and confident enough in yourself, whether you're male or female, if you're a female that absolutely abhors the idea of wearing a dainty little 28 millimeter because it was stuck in the women's section and then go for that 44 millimeter brightling and you rock it 
Yep. You know, yep. find what gives you joy and then go for that and be confident and comfortable in it. I bought a watch today that's on the way this week that gets pissed on left and right by the industry because of the brand. You know what? I like the design and I'm going to wear that watch and it doesn't bother me, you know, because at the end of the day, what people don't realize in the watch community is that nobody cares what's on your wrist. Nobody in the wild cares what watch you're wearing. And if you go up to people wrist first, you might be a douchebag. So, so it, it's just one now granted. Okay. You know, once again, my opinion, but I think that you just have to find what gives you joy after, but you have to make those mistakes first. Uh, you have to make those mistakes first, but then find what gives you joy, find what speaks to you and, and enjoy it and do it. Um, it's the same in my line of work. It's the exact same. Um, if, if I see somebody smoking a cigar and I don't care if it's something all the way from uh, a flavored mixed filler cigar all the way up to a cigar like what I'm smoking right now, which is packed full of medio tiempo, which is a type of tobacco that only occurs on certain plants. You know, it's a leaf that only appears on, on certain plants in a field. If you're looking at a field of tobacco, maybe 30% of it has that leaf on it. Okay. Super nerdy, super weird. No matter what you're, if you're smoking a cigar, I'm going to look at you and say, thanks. I'm, you know, because you're, you're into it. Um, unfortunately, um, like Greg mentioned earlier, the gatekeeper factor is strong in, in the, the uh, watch community, especially where, okay, you've bought your first thousand dollar watch. Well, then the gatekeepers will tell you, you need to buy your next $3,000 watch. And then the next gatekeeper will say, well, that's a nice $3,000 watch, but have you seen my $7,000 watch? And it, it creates an avarice that is quite toxic. Um, I, I'm looking at the, I watch some of these YouTube videos and I've honestly, I've cut back on it, uh, but I, I look at some of these YouTube videos now that these guys are getting on there uh, reviewing and criticizing $20,000, $50,000 watches, you know, and picking out little details, poo-pooing on watches that cost more than some people's houses. And we got to think about that for a minute. Let's just pump the, <laughs> let's just pump the brakes uh, because it, it gets to a point where uh, it, the gatekeepers remove the joy. And if we remove the joy, then what the hell are we doing? I like that a lot. I think, you know, there's a subset of people, you know, I think the people listening to this, the people on this call, the people that are in our circles, you know, that we, I think a lot of us are communicating with it, like have this sort of desire to just, you know, keep, keep this fun, right? Like keep this yep. interesting, keep it weird, keep it fun. And like, that's awesome. Like we need that because, you know, it's entered the mainstream to some degree. And so it's harder now. And so it's like to like people that, give a damn about it to make it cool. Like keep it cool. Yeah. And I, and it's funny. I see, I've seen the parallels, especially Nate with, I guess, butting into two different things like watches and cigars where I've been in shops and you have people who, you know, sort of how watch people will bag on Invicta is the same way I've heard them bag on, let's say like a Rocky Patel or a, yeah. a Gurkha. Mm -hmm. Right. And you, the people be like, Oh, that's a Gurkha guy. Like at the end of the day, like, if that's what appeals to them, can you really argue with them that much? If we were to take this out into mass-produced food, think about how dumb this would be. All the Arby's people judging the McDonald's people. <laughs> exactly. I mean, think about this. 
you know, and and luckily, luckily, there are unspoken rules in most cigar shops that negate a lot of this. Yes. Um, you know, the the those unspoken rules are, you know, you treat everybody equally. You treat it. It's one of the last places I know of on planet Earth. And I literally on a on a weekly basis see this where the the guy that works construction at night will sit down in a leather chair next to a stock trader driving his AMC, AMG outside and they don't care. Yep. They get along great. They call, I was at a, you know, I have been to more cigar shop funerals of, of old guys that had been there for 20 years and finally passed away. And these are dear friends. These people, um, I was going through a really tough time in my life a few years ago and there's a cigar shop owner in another state that I called him just to talk to him. You know, we, I look at my retailers as friends, you know, a number of them. I called this guy just to talk to him. And he said, look, and he's, he has this amazing, you know, Southern accent, which I'm from the South and his is just brilliant. But he looked at me and he told me, he said, well, look, if you are in a spot where you need help, you can come work for me and I'll pay you what I pay me. No questions asked. And you leave when you need to, because that's what friends do. And, and that's the atmosphere that we want to foster, you know, in, in any industry, in any hobby, in any passion, you know, when, uh, you know, and, and I, there, luckily, you know, we, we like to gripe about the, the negative, the negativity out there. We like to gripe about it. I've seen more positivity in the, in the watch family that we don't talk about because it, True. you know, I, I, I hope that we would like to think that it's expected. Um, so there's a lot of good out there as well, but the, the fact of the matter is, um, there are those, there are a few of those gatekeepers in every line of, of enjoyment and every line of passion. And I think we just need to, I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing to take away from all this, at least what I'm trying to say is if you're passionate about watches, if you're passionate about, you know, whatever, if you see a gatekeeper, gatekeep them. You know, you got to you got to call them out on that stuff, because we if we want any of this to survive, because, look, this economy is not going to be the way it is forever. Um, if, if we want any of this to survive, we we have to police ourselves. Right. Yeah, on. That's, that's strong. I like that I, I, it's, it's it's really that's really, I think, uh, hits to the core of it. I, you know, I, spent, I think I spent a long time, like for a while, like trying to be sort of this like uh, sort of like evangelist. And I think there's, there's still a place for like sort of like setting facts straight you know, and letting people know who are sort of new to it, like what's up and what's cool and what's not. But like, I think you hit it early on in the episode, Nate, but like, I've, I've sort of come to come more to the point now where it's like, Hey, it kind of, you know, come one, come all You're like, let me tell you as much as you want to hear. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact that we're enjoying this together is, is pretty rad. So when I was, when I was younger, I wanted to always, anytime I would hear something incorrect said in a shop, I would want to correct it. <laughs> and what I found was that was really counterproductive. Because um, the most important part is that they were there and they were enjoying. And if they look, if you ask me a technical tobacco question or a cigar question or whatever, I will absolutely give you a technically correct answer as far as I can give it. And I don't care what you think about my answer because you asked. But, at the, you know, those people that go out there, oh, you know, Invicta is a, a, you know, it's a crappy watch brand made in in Asia and it's, it's, they say it's worth 9,000. They don't sell it for 90 and that's, that's not right. And we, and you shouldn't wear that. Who the hell are you? 
you know, if, if you just instantly police that, then that's not, you know, that's, that's missing the entire point because these little machines that we wear on our arms, they accumulate our life stories as we wear them. And if all I could ever wear was an Invicta pro diver, when I'm dead and gone, I would like to think that one of my boys would look at that watch and take it and say, that's dad's watch. And I'm going to keep wearing it on. That's what they, matters. Cause they would, they would. Yeah. Right. That's that's powerful, man. That's but I think that's that's what we all hope for. That's sort of the uh, dream, right? The dream that we all live in our heads. It's our little utopia. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly. There's it. there's always gonna be that guy that says, you know, it's not a Rolex, right? And there's always gonna be that guy, and it's okay. We love you too. Let, me tell you, let me tell you let why you it's not a Rolex. Jeans. Yeah, I'll let you wear my Longines. You might like it. <laughs> In some ways, it speaks to like the passion, which is, I mean, it is a benefit. It's a, it is a positive asset, right? Like that people care so damn much. Like right. that's why we can sit here and talk about this for an hour plus. And like, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of people are going to listen to this. Like people care. Like that's cool as hell, right? Like, they do. but you got to mm -hmm. be able to like check it a little bit and just be like, okay, like, hey, listen, we're all here to like enjoy this together. And that's, that's why I have such a hard time with watch meetups. Yeah. I, I, I've got to revisit the whole watch meetup thing. I had a bad experience when I went to one and uh, I'm the type that's like, okay, that water's acid. I'm not dipping my toe again. I realize <laughs> it's not that way everywhere. I realize it's not that way. So, so we also have to be careful what we're sensitive to. And, and that's myself included. And I know, I think that's great advice. And I think that's probably a good place to start wrapping it up. Unless there's anything else you guys want to add. I mean, Thank you guys so much for coming on. It was, it's been a fun conversation. It went super fast, but uh, I think you guys did an honorable job filling in for Schmitty tonight. I think he's going to be really happy about it. Um, I can't echo enough sort of the positive sentiments you guys laid down. I really loved it all. Like I said, if there's anything else you want to add, feel free. Otherwise, I think we'll be putting this one in the books. Just, just, I just want to say, just remember when you look in your watch box or when you look in your, your liquor cabinet or when you look in your humidor or whatever, Think about how fortunate you are to be able to have those things. Yes. Because there's an entire planet that doesn't have the ability to have those things. So if you think about it in those terms, share the love, don't hoard it. You know, that's, I, I guess that's my, my most important thing when I've, I've gotten old and started thinking about that kind of thing. I wish I had something as prophetic as that. I don't, I hope, Sh I hope Schmidt approves. <laughs> I hope Schmidt approves. You know, I don't know. Me, me and Nate did our best. You know, I think we had a lot of fun doing it. So yeah. I hope this is Schmidt approved. But uh, yeah, no, thanks was, so that much. Was, that was the best way to go out. Nate, Nate finished it up well. I, I kind of, you know, piggybacked and didn't really add anything. Absolutely. <laughs> no, he, he nailed it. He nailed it. But uh, again, thank you guys so much. It's been a great time. Um, yeah, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Let's you know do where it. to find us. Absolutely. Absolutely. So all you beautiful people out in front there. Of my computer, just sit here in front of my computer waiting on friends to talk to me. So that's all I've ever <laughs> So all the beautiful folks out there, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week on Rich Seas Radio. Good night. Good night.